Welcome to the Pulse Podcast. I'm Amelia Sullivan. This podcast series expands on notable articles originally published at APTA's Pulse blog for PT and PTA students, so they can reach a wider audience. In this episode, we talked to Ron Peacock Jr. about his personal experience with something called stereotype threat. Ron describes what it is like to go through PT school with an acute awareness of the negative stereotypes too often associated with black men and the pressure he felt to defy those stereotypes. As Ron wrote in the Pulse blog, this is a topic for everyone, minority, majority, black, white, male, female, PT, PTA, or student. Here's our conversation with Ron. Okay, Ron, let's have you start by defining what stereotype threat is for our listeners. Yeah, so um, as far as I know, stereotype threat is a situation in which people see or see themselves to be at risk of conforming to a certain stereotype about their group. So um, whatever, you know, that group may be um, for individuals, for black individuals, you know, it may be something that's, well, here's a good example. (laughs) So uh, when I was in Cincinnati, uh, every time we got an email from the university talking about a crime, it was always, always, nine out of ten times, a six-foot black male with dark clothes on. (laughs) And so when I would walk around um, at nighttime to walk home or whatever, and if there were people in front of me, I would always find myself crossing the street, walking really fast to get ahead of them, and then crossing back over it just so I wasn't lingering behind them. Just because, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm a six-foot black male. They're probably up there scared right now. (laughs) Now let's have you apply that same concept to PT school specifically. So in PT school, I mean, and it could be with anyone. It could be with women. It could be with uh, minorities based on, on race. Um, something as simple as speaking up in class, you know, um, people, you, your thought is that the people around you may assume that what you're saying is um, maybe aggressive or maybe overly emotional or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. So you can kind of, you, you sort of lose your initiative or you, you don't speak up when you feel like you know something just because you're concerned that other people might misconstrue your words. Let's talk about like why you felt like you should or could or wanted to write about this topic now. You know, it was a strange thing. So at first, it was simply, you know, a call to action. Uh, I believe you reached out to us and <clears throat> to the board of directors and asked someone to, to put together a Pulse piece. And I was like, hey, I could write about the uh, black experience, sure. Um, and then after I kind of started writing the, the piece, it got very visceral for me, and it kind of became this this product in which I felt could, could really help other people um, define some of the struggles that they were going through and, and really understand that it's normal for everyone um, to kind of deal with this kind of thing, right? It's not just black. It's not just white or, you know, whatever the minority status may be. It's kind of for everyone. Um, and so I just really felt like it might be something that was – was powerful for other people. But the second I finished writing it, I texted you and was like, well, I finished this, but I don't think I'm going to put this out there (laughs) because it was so visceral for me. (laughs) And if I remember correctly, you were kind of sweating it until we actually published it. Okay, so in your blog post, you talked about your time as a PT tech. This was before you even applied to PT school. And you said there were moments during this experience where you, quote, truly felt alive. 
um, you made it clear that this was an experience where you started to figure out what your calling was, what your career aspirations, your goals were. But can you tell us a little bit about how stereotype threat was part of that time as well or how it played a role for you? Yeah, so as a tech, you know, I had various amounts of responsibilities. A lot of it was administrative, some of it was patient assistance, and then obviously upkeeping the the cleanliness of the clinic. And so, you know, a lot of it I did almost feel like I was a janitor. I think I mentioned I did feel like, you know, people would look at me as just the guy who cleans the tables. And I feel like I had this this mentality that um, I needed to be doing something more, but I really didn't know what it was. And so throughout that entire time, like, that was one of my main focuses. But in those small moments where I got to, to work with patients directly and help them with uh, with their exercises, even just sitting there and chatting with them about their lives, you know, none, nothing else really mattered in those moments. And there's one particular incident that I remember very vividly that kind of brought it all together for me. And there was a patient, a young girl who had tore in her ACL, and she was nearing, coming towards the end for rehab. But um, this girl was the toughest girl I'd know. She was very, very uh, slow to show emotion, and she always had, she always had her guard up and everything. You know, you would, you would ask her if she's okay. She's like, yeah, I'm fine. I don't hurt. <laughs> and um, I think it was probably a February, honestly, because we were treating in a different location for, for renovation time, and we got her running for the first time and she was like, I haven't ran in, in six months. I don't know how to do it. So we're laughing and joking and clowning with her. And she kind of gallops down the hallway and, you know, <laughs> her mom's laughing and we're laughing. Her parents are taking videos. But once she kind of gets her stride back, she comes up to us, tears gushing out of her eyes. And she says, thank you so much for everything. And she gives me the biggest hug that I think I've ever gotten in my life. And, you know, in that moment, like I said before, like everything else, nothing else mattered. And it was just me and her standing there. You know, I wasn't the guy who was cleaning the tables. I was someone who had impacted her life in a major way. And um, I think that kind of helped me realize that it doesn't matter what you think others think about you. Um, just do the best you can. Give everything you got and people will appreciate that and you can you can change people's lives with that um so that's kind of a combination of things that's my pt love story that's what made me apply i think i started applying that day <laughs> while i was at work and um that's kind of how i began to tear down those walls and now for a quick break from discounts to exclusive content apta offers more membership benefits than ever before but you can't take advantage of all these benefits if you don't know what's available. So visit apta.org benefits and start maximizing your membership today. Now let's return to the show. Yeah, and in that experience for that young patient, um, you know, your skin color, your ethnicity, your, where you're from, your religious background, all those things, none of that matters. Um, she just wanted to run again, and you were helping her do that. And that was the most important thing to her. And... Um, you know, in reading your blog post, it was striking and at the same time sad to think that um, those thoughts were still in the back of your mind. Like, were, were those assumptions or stereotypes, like, looming? Okay, so now let's fast forward to you being in PT school. So in the blog post, you talked about being nervous about going to school in a small town in Pennsylvania. Tell us a little bit about that experience and um, especially those first few months. Yeah, so 
I think I always kind of walked into it with my guard up, and I don't think I ever let my guard down while I was there. You know, I I definitely felt as if um, I was different from all of my classmates, and a lot of them were from small towns, and you know, a few of them were had graduating classes that were smaller than my homeroom in high school and, you know, just didn't have much exposure to diversity throughout their lives. So um, I think I took that information as as a challenge to myself, you know. I felt like that made me even more different from them. So I don't necessarily think it ever got better. I think I found myself changing to try to conform, to try to fit in throughout those times and kind of lost touch with myself for a little bit um so yeah it it, it was definitely difficult throughout um, all the way up until I think after I left my clinicals and really just kind of figured myself out I think the last week that we came back just for uh, boards prep and things like that I think that was the realest I had been and I noticed it within myself immediately um so yeah the small town I mean there were definitely moments where you know some things happened that were exactly what I expected. <laughs> but then there were also moments where, you know, I was surprised by by some of the people and especially my classmates and the generosity. So it was kind of a mixture of things, you know, but it wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be. I think most of it was just me assuming it would be and having my guard up for so long. I feel like that's like textbook anxiety, you know, where that thing or event or whatever is playing out in your brain and it's nerve-wracking and daunting and uh, stressful but then the thing actually happens and it's either only somewhat like what you were thinking it was going to be or nothing like it but you even mentioned in your blog post moments were kind of like what you were expecting them to be. You also mentioned in your blog post you were thinking you might be the only African-American person in this entire town was that the case? No, there were some others. <laughs> I wasn't alone, but um, we were definitely far and few in between. You talked a lot about how this has been a lifelong journey and being conscious of your heightened awareness for a really long time. Had you ever associated those thoughts or assumptions with being negative or even stifling of you or your actions? Or was it a more of a matter of fact thing, like more of this is just the reality? Ah, that's another one of the, of the, it's a little bit of both. So I think for the most part, yes, um, it is kind of negative and stifling because, or I guess it's, it's kind of negative and stifling when you allow it to be a barrier, you know. Um, I definitely think that, you know, these stereotypes exist and it's good to be aware of them. Um, however, it's when you allow them to control how you act and how you respond to things and what you do that it becomes something that's that's negative. And um, yeah, I think that's what the, the realization should be, is that, okay, yeah, these things are out there. Great. Now just be yourself. <laughs> exactly. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't apply to PT school or strive for your goals. But you're right, having that perspective that this doesn't have to be negative. I was thinking about... Uh, kid that I met the other day at Walgreens, I was getting a picture um, for my licensure application, and this kid who just graduated high school, he was an African guy, um, I think he said he was from, from Ethiopia, and, you know, he just graduated high school, he had a full ride to Ohio State for chemical engineering, um, was top of his class in high school, um, told me about his ambitions to, to you know, 
for the future. And at the end of the conversation, I was like, well, if you want to do medical school, man, you might as well just, you know, just go for it all, go for the doctorate. And his response to me was, yeah, I don't think I'm smart enough. <laughs> and I'm like, man, you have a full ride to Ohio State for engineering, an academic full ride. It's not even athletic. Right. So it was interesting to hear him say that he didn't think he was smart enough. Um, and I'm not sure why we didn't dive too much into it, but it could have been, it could have been a racial thing or a stereotype thing or or, you know, one of a multitude of other things. But that was just really, that was shocking to me to hear him say that. And uh, I don't know, that just kind of popped into my head. Wow. Talk about a literal example of exactly what we're talking about. A full-ride academic scholarship. I mean, they don't just hand those out to people. And good for you for striking up a conversation with him. Well, we exchanged numbers, and I told him, you know, uh, reach out to me anytime. Um, I'm going to be... I'm going to be texting him and picking his brain and kind of trying to push him forward over these next four years because um, he's a bright kid. You can tell just within the first five minutes of our conversation, I could tell that he was bright. And I told him, I was like, man, you're the future. Don't let anything stop you from being, you know, your best self, especially fear. Um, so we'll, we'll see where he goes, you know. We'll see if he wins that Nobel Peace Prize in the future. <laughs> and now for a quick break. Treating at a pro bono clinic, working in a soup kitchen, cleaning up a park, no matter where or how, we have the ability to transform society. Whether we are physical therapists, physical therapist assistants, or students, service embodies who we are, what we do, and how we act. Be a part of PT Day of Service on October 13th and help make the world a better place. You can sign up to participate or become an ambassador at ptdayofservice.com. Now let's return to the show. So towards the end of your article, you talk about how you have dealt with and how you currently deal with stereotype threat personally, uh, whether that's coping skills or, you know, tools, resources, things like that. So first, was it a mentor? Was it peers who kind of helped you with that? And can you kind of talk to us a little bit about the tools and resources that you have used in this process? So, yeah, I guess in learning them, it was a combination of of talking to some people, um, some some very close friends, and you, you know you could call them mentors. I think your friends are also your mentors in a in an indirect sort of fashion, um, and just you know hearing about other people's struggles, um, people that are both in PT school and people that are not. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think I I, I think I got I kind of created the coping pattern myself just based on my mindset, but they helped me to recognize the issue. Right, um, the issue of nah, that's silly, man. No one thinks that about you. Um, I had a faculty member send me an email after I wrote this article, and kind of in retrospect, I, I can kind of realize what she was getting at. But it was almost like a poem, and it was titled "If You Could See Your, Yourself Through My Eyes." And you know, she kind of really just talked me up and how she saw me and how she depicted me. But throughout our entire relationship, I always thought that she thought I was an idiot. <laughs> Um, and, you know, it was quite the contrary. And so that was really powerful to hear that from her. Um, so the coping skills for me after realizing um, the characteristics of that stereotype threat were to were to fight it. So anytime I found myself in a situation where I was fearful because of, you know, that threat, I would force myself to do the opposite of what my instinct told me to do. Um, for example, you know, you're in class, you have something to say, you assume that everyone's going to think it's ignorant or stupid you know they say there's 
no stupid questions, but everyone snickers every now and again. You know, we've all done it. <laughs> um, and so it was in those moments where you're like, man, I shouldn't say this or I shouldn't do this, that I forced myself to say and do those things. Um, I forced myself to have conversations with people and really just, and really just approach it head on. Um, and for me, that worked. It was very scary in a lot of times, you know, but it worked. You know, it eventually became the new norm to just do whatever came to mind. And now for a quick break. Hey, students, want to get involved in your profession, but you don't know where to start? Go to APTA.org slash student involvement to find opportunities that meet your interests and fit your schedule. Now let's return to the show. Okay, so was it the moment that shifted your personal mindset due to external voices saying, you're great, Ron, you're smart, etc., all those things you are? Or was it an internal moment where you stopped yourself and thought, wait, these thoughts aren't true? Well, yeah, it, it almost was a, a, a multitude of moments. So I think it started at the next conference, um, the House of Delegates, actually, when I was an usher in 2016. And you know, my professor kind of shuttled me around and introduced me to the different caucus members and um, different professionals that she knew. And, you know, she always had something positive to say to each of them. And then she introduced me to Brad Thuringer, and Brad Thuringer walked me around and introduced me to some people and, again, positive things and Carrie Cunningham was another person I met during that weekend and she took me around and introduced me to some people and I felt like just having some people that grabbed on to me, latched on and really tried to to, to introduce me to their, their social groups and I think that was kind of the beginning of it. It's like what do they see in me that makes me, you know, worth this time? And then I sat down with Brad Thuringer at the conference and he was like, look, um, I think you should run for the student board of directors. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And I'm not really sure why you think I should run for it. Like, what, what are you getting at here? And he's like, I don't know, man. He's like, I just really think you would be great at it. And so I think it was that confidence that someone had verbally spoken to me. And I think it was someone looking me in my eye and saying, look, man, you, you have what it takes to do, to do whatever you want to do. Um, and I'm just trying to help you get there. And so I think that's kind of how it started. And then, you know, being elected was also a confidence booster and um, just kind of going through those next years and slowly increasing my confidence based on, like I said, based on those action steps of trying to, to silence some of those voices and to try to, you know, combat some of those voices. Um, I think that was really kind of the initiation of it, you know, just the confidence that other people placed within me and um, their guidance to do greater things and kind of be the, the classic student, go to class, duck your head down, get your A, and be done. Okay, so it was a little bit of external validation by your professional peers and colleagues that really broke through to you. Along those same lines, what would you say to a prospective student that is thinking about physical therapy as a career, but is maybe also thinking that the profession is a little narrow uh, not very diverse, and uh, maybe isn't the place for them. I think that's funny. Um, <clears throat> if it's not diverse enough for you, the only way it's going to be diverse is if people like you decide to, to take that plunge and to join it and then create action steps to make it more diverse. You know, and you have to be the change you want to see in the world. And if, you're ha if you have a passion in a certain field and you're straying away from it because it's not everything you want it to be, then join it and make it what you want it to be. You know, that's, uh, 
that's where we that's where we see lasting change. And it'll never happen unless someone decides to take that step. And that step is probably scary in some cases. But as you know, it's well worth it. But as you said, I'd hope that in the next decade or even before that, the profession does look more like the population as a whole. So for me, um, I, I definitely think that diversity is important. I think that it's something we should strive for uh, as such, especially considering the RC from last year on minority inclusion within the profession. Uh, I have a colleague of mine from Kentucky, Matthew Brent Williams. Him and I are actually in the process of working on a nonprofit with the main goal of increasing minority inclusion within the profession. So it'll essentially be a mentorship program in which we take kids like, you know, the, the gentleman that I met at the Walgreens store, and we we help them. We give them that motivation. We give them that confidence. We give them that guidance. Uh, whatever the tools may be, we're still in the early processes, but whatever the tools may be, um, we hand it to them, and they'll have a mentor that, can take them from wherever they are to where they want to be um, with all the resources that they need. So we're going to kind of pilot it in a couple areas with a couple of people, and then hopefully we can expand it to be something that that works across the across this here country. So um, that's what I want to see. I do want to see the profession represent the population that we serve, and I want to see that stereotype threat become confidence booster and not a barrier you know i want to see it be the reason for people's strength not the reason for their weakness and so yeah we'll see what that looks like in five years from now but today we're just uh putting our heads together trying to figure out what works what won't work uh getting some mentors to help us with it and taking it day by day step by step okay last question any final thoughts for our listeners just kind of in summary, you know, uh, every day you wake up, do the things that scare you the most, you know, whether it be, whether it be going for a certification or starting your own business or, you know, just pursuing a passion that you have that you feel like no one else believes in. Just do it. You know, the worst thing that can happen is you fail and then you can find something else to do, but you never know what what one turn could become or what one step in a different direction could become. So do the things that scare you. Never be afraid to reach out to those around you. And uh, yeah. To read Ron's original blog post, Stereotype Threat, How Fear Led Me to Passion, visit the Pulse blog at apta.org slash pulse. APTA podcasts like this one are available on iTunes and Google Play, or you can visit apta.org slash podcasts. I'm Amelia Sullivan. Thanks for listening.